Welcome to Much More Much Year with Pup Duffy and Kara Lane, an Aunt Imagination production. Guys, I am here with writer-director Chad Farron. We're going to be talking about Pig Killer. It is, would you call it a docudrama or is it a straight up, it's not a documentary. It's- yeah, but I would say 90% of the stuff that's in there, you know, elements of it were based on the reality of uh, what was going on. The parties, the dildo gun, the, you know, the the pat with the neck. I mean, all these different characters are the brother, the uh, Kate Patel character, Wendy, is based on about three victims kind of put together. So, you know, I'd say 90% of it is, you know, based on what was going on <laughs> from uh, his exploits. All right, well, well, let's jump in. Uh, you guys might know Chad from The Ghouls, The Deep Ones, Nightcaller. Uh, the film stars Jake Busey, uh, Home Price Contact, The Frighteners, Starship Troopers. However, if you like Jake, you might not like him so much after this film because he does such incredible performance of portraying a horrible individual. Uh, it comes out in theaters November 17th on digital, the 21st. It's based on Robert Willie Picton, this... Uh, one of the most prolific serial killers in Canada, of all places. That's that one I said, where the where you know the events took place. They said of all places. I said yeah because they seem so nice. <laughs> it seems just <laughs> crazy that a Canadian would uh, do something, uh, you know, like torture, rape, murder, uh, mutilate uh, women. And this went on. Uh, he was. This is not a spoiler. I don't think because of the events themselves, he did not necessarily get away with it. But it happened in the 90s. Is that right? Um, he started a killing in the 80s and it went all the way to like 2000, I think was the last when he basically was caught. And they finally uh, <laughs> start put him on trial, I think, two years later kind of thing. And he's actually he was convicted of um, second degree murder only on two victims. So he's basically mm-hmm. up for parole, I think, next year. That's insane. Well, I wanted to say, first off, there's a bunch of things about serial killers that people can't wrap their reins around. I think one of them for me is, one of them is that they can do it for so long. Nobody notices. I feel like if you're doing something so horrifically evil, like, you need to get busted. Does that make sense? It blows the thing with him is he kind of lucked out because he doesn't seem, I've seen interviews, he doesn't seem like the brightest bulb, but the thing that the victims that he chose were, you know, not really connected to their family. They were prostitutes. They were living on the streets. They were kind of, you know, an easy target that you wouldn't, you know, necessarily miss them right away because it's like, oh, maybe they moved to another city. Maybe they they got cleaned up and just went, you know, to America. You know, it was kind of one of those things without their family constantly bugging the police to try and find them. It, it was an easier way for him. And the, the disposal of the victims with the pigs is really kind of, you know, there's nothing to find, you know. So he really, you know, kind of had the best... Um, method of disposing of victims and the area that he was doing it in which at the time was kind of a rural situation and he was you know kind of left to his own devices and the fact that you know when they started selling off land him and his brother and then basically had this small fortune at their disposal and they would throw these parties and had the drugs everywhere and the hell's angels and these different you know groups of people coming and going that you know he could easily find a victim in there that no one would necessarily miss Ted Bundy 
who was very smart, but, you know, picking girls that were missed, you know, college students and all these kind of things. And, the, you know, his method of doing it was he was able to, you know, move around and kind of evade capture where this guy, you know, Willie just kind of stuck where he was, but his victims were not on the radar kind of, you know, so to speak, is my kind of way of thinking. And the police, you know, weren't really um, prepared for it. You know, like you said, in Canada, this doesn't happen very often. So it was kind of like, you know, there's no serial killer in Canada that, you know, whatever. And when Wendy, the girl who basically stabbed him and got away from being killed, told her story to the police, they didn't really believe her because it's like, here's a drug addict. She was part with this guy she's upset and then his story is like she, she just got angry and stabbed me and ran away so but that clicked for the police to kind of put him on the radar and they started watching what was going on and then they ended up getting a warrant for the farm and then finding some body parts and it kind of opened the whole can of worms her escape really but you know most people someone escaping and saying that you know he tried to rape and murder them and they, the police would be swarming him that second but it put him on the radar and they were able to capture capture him and that's how it kind of all fell down right and isn't that just a crazy part of like society is like who's believed and who's looked at a little sideways like you were saying you know oh it went too far you were you were fine with it at first you know it got right. a little and that crap happens like in real life every day not just serial killers like and in, in situations with rape and whatnot or you know sexual assault it's like oh and it's like that's not cool we should not be our first inclination should not be to be like well what did you do to get yourself into that kind of predicament right 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 no, especially, and, and I think that's changed this day and age. Now it, it's, you know, <laughs> they would be on him in a second now if it happened. Yeah. But you're right. And don't even get me started about the pigs. That when I don't know how old I was, but when I learned that pigs will literally eat anything, I don't remember who, who wrote it, but there was a short story written a long, long time ago. And it was something about uh, the farmer fell into the pig pen, was, you know, stamped to death. And, and right, right, right. It's like, and <laughs> I swear to God, you got the decapitated uh, pig head, which is horrifying on its own. It's right. like, there's so many freaking elements. Going back to him himself, he does look like this awkward, bumbling oaf who can't add two and two together, much right. less tie. So how could he be criminally clever, I guess? And the people around him, again, they were either um, oblivious to him, his personalities, his proclivities, or they were complicit, as in the case with the, that dude pissing them. Sure, sure, sure. No, he, they were definitely, you know, they knew what was going on, and they definitely uh, helped him out, you know? <laughs> insane. I don't want to get too into it, but there's a part towards the end where uh, Wendy's got a good chance at some, you know, at maybe getting away with a little assistance from a friend, shall we say, and that guy with the throat hole, I was like, are you kidding me? Put that down. You know, and this is something that happened 20 years ago, 30 years ago, and I'm, I'm mad about it now, which probably, I think you know, maybe the families would be, uh, you know, pissed off about it as well, but then they should be. So that's just a, a nod to you as the filmmaker that you're getting this visceral reaction. Oh, that's great. <laughs> 
I like it. The thing when you mentioned, you know, the families, that's the thing that, uh, you know, someone had mentioned before that the families would be pissed off at the film and all that kind of stuff. And I go, well, where were the families when the victims were living on the street? I mean, I, you know, the, to me, it's kind of like you have to ask, where were these people then? And all the, and why did these girls go missing for so long? Because if they had families that loved them and so cared about them so much that they'd be upset about this film 30 years later, where where was their upset, you know, back when their girl was missing? You know, I, I, I question a lot of things like that. Well, you're right. And it, it's very easy to, you know, manufacture your outrage after kind of a point of no return, kind of like where it's not going to help anything. It's easy to be outraged about it and be pissed off. You know, something about this guy, a lot of uh, missing indigenous women, Sure. you know, uh, like you said, prostitutes, things like that. And you kind of want to question like, his thought process of we know you know he thinks this lady of the night i'm gonna take her nobody's gonna miss her you know she's probably scum to her family or whatever these are not my uh, but also um there's a real there has been a real problem in canada about um, indigenous women and young young teens going missing sure so kind of horrifying to think about that and there was actually one uh, i was reading up on the guy and there was one woman who survived and got away from. Right, right, right. So, you know, a film like this is not necessarily a bad thing because it's not glorifying the dude. It's kind of like a, it's telling the tale. It's saying this has happened. We need to acknowledge it. But also like, what can people do to like raise awareness that people, um, you know, sex workers deserve protection and care. You know, they, they deserve the empathy or, you know, help just like uh, everybody else does. For instance, go off, but for instance, I just saw on the news last week, Natalie Holloway. Sure. Uh, a young white girl that was killed. Well, she went missing, God, like 20 years ago. Yeah. Something yeah, like yeah. a long, long time ago. Her parents never gave up. Her parents still continuously looking, trying to find answers. And when they get to, you know, the, the horrible answer, what they said on the news was something along the lines of, at least now we know. But sure. who cares other people except right. to get made a film, right? <laughs> exactly. Well, I think that's the other thing with Canada. They kind of blocked the whole thing. The trial, you know, was kind of hush-hush. The press was hush-hush about it because it, things like that never happened there. And they wanted to make sure when it did happen there, it didn't really get out. So very few people know about it. And then when they find out, they're always like, oh, my God, Canada, this happened. And these indigenous women and all that kind of stuff. It's, again, you know, shining a light on, you know, a dark thing that happened and you know like the movie or not like the movie at least brings awareness to the victims and to people that you know are missing you know in this day and age you know i mean it is it does come down to, to image really yeah so speaking of image uh is this is this something you learned of i mean i know you were you were born were you raised in minnesota was it like a proximity thing or were you closer to it so you found out because i had never heard of it no i had um a the um, Kate Patel, who plays Wendy in this movie, was introduced to me by the producer Jeff Olin, and she grew up uh, in Vancouver. And you know, you know, it was kind of one of those myths as a kid growing up. You know, and you know, she had a relative who knew him, who ran into him at a bar one time. So there was kind of a close, you know, little thing going on. And it was kind of her story that she wanted, you know, to bring to life. And I said, well, if you can find the money, we'll, we'll, I'll write the script and we'll make the thing. She went out, found the money, and, you know, we were off and, and running. I watched a few documentaries on him, read up on him, and kind of learned as much as I could. And the fact that 
I also grew up on a farm in Minnesota, so I knew what that's like to be kind of living in isolation and to have, you know, parents who may be a little abusive. And uh, so for me, it was kind of an easy thing to write about this guy because I kind of lived <laughs> that way. But instead of going and killing women, I decided to make films. I mean, there's an outlet for anyone's angst or, you know, problems or whatever, whatever, whether it's drawing or writing or, you know, painting or whatever it is, he chose, you know, killing people. I chose making movies, but I could totally relate how people can go off the deep end and take their rage or frustration out instead of creatively and positively on things a negative way. And a lot of people, you know, do it, whether they drink booze or do drugs or, you know, there's a release that people do. And some people find a, a productive way to release that. And some people go crazy and, you know, kill people. It's the only way I can really look at it. But I try not to, you know, say it was his parents' fault. You know, of course, those things have an effect, but I don't think it's the the, the root cause. There's something you're born with. That you're messed up. You could have the best child in the world and you still go out and do crazy, horrible things. I think, you know, it's it's mainly uh, it's it's in you. You know, and of course, your your upbringing doesn't help that situation. But at the same time, if you have an outlet for those dark feelings, that is a positive. I think you're you're going to do okay in life. He he obviously didn't have that. Thousand percent, thousand percent. That's uh, that's a topic for another day. But I firmly believe, like, what you are is what you are. You can change. You can get better. But you have like inherent good or evil mixture of both. I think everybody does because. Let me go off topic for one second. Someone said something on the internet about if it weren't for God or if it weren't for religion, you know, people would be horrible. And I'm like, I don't believe that. Yeah. How do people differentiate good from evil before, you know, organized religions even showed up, you know? Yeah. I, like, I think it's, it's inside of every individual. You have the capacity for good. You have the capacity for evil. Sure. You have the capacity to control to a point urges that you might have. You can have four kids come out of an abusive family. <laughs> one can be supremely, you know, messed up, and it, and one can be completely fine. One can pretend like none of it ever happened. <laughs> so, you know, it is what it is. But yeah, right. hey, well, he's he's in prison, obviously now, isn't he? Or he's close to parole. Possibly. Yeah, he's coming up for parole soon. Jeez. I can't imagine like um, this lady's CJ. But that's the thing. What if he turned his life around? I mean, I don't, you know, that's the thing it kind of draw. You have to ask yourself, what if he totally reformed, was a great human being? Should he be released? You know, those are questions that, you know, I try not to get into because, you know, <clears throat> society and courts, they have whatever system set up and these rules, who knows if they're right or they're wrong. But, they, you know, there's a lot of things, you know, that you stop and you question and you're like, wait a second, he killed all these people and he's up for parole and, you know, he could be released. I mean, that's something no, no matter how, you know, changed he is, it, it's kind of a frightening uh, thought that you really kind of question Canada or, you know, any country that kind of has something that can, uh, a loophole that a, a serial killer can get out at that quick, really quick, if it's only been like 20 years, 20, 30 years, I mean, for killing, you know, numerous people. 50 people, yeah. I believe that people can be rehabilitated absolutely sure. but do i feel like maybe the punishment for specific crimes should be a lot longer <laughs> yes 
more time to rehabilitate. That's all I'm going to say. I mean, and it's not just a Canadian thing. It's an American thing. Um, I, I read just earlier, a man, what was he? He's like a security officer or something. He crossed state lines to go indulge in child. He got 17 years for doing it. Doing it. He did it. Right, right. 17 years. Why doesn't that crime have a death penalty? Because you just right. basically killed that child's entire psyche and future. Right. You know? I think that's the thing where it's the victims should really have a voice. The victims' families should have a voice in that situation. And basically, if five of them that were, you know, offended or murdered or whatever said, hey, we want him life in prison, and there's one that wants him dead, that person should be given a gun and being able to kill the, <laughs> the <laughs> offender. It's, it would be, you know, save time, it would save money, and it would be a resolution that everyone could kind of live with because an eye for an eye kind of thing and i think that's something that's missing it's like i go back to the uh, the oj case where if my daughter was killed by him and i had you know all the money in the world i would have hired someone to murder oj in prison i mean it's just, or i would have got when he once he was released i would have went and killed him myself i mean but that's just me if i think about my daughter or my child being killed or brutalized by someone I really don't care if they're getting life in prison or they're getting out because they're going to be ending up dead. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And if it, if, you know, and if the law comes down on the father or the mother or whoever, you know, does this crime to, in, to avenge their child, then so be it. I think they would live better. You know, uh, I would be able to sleep at night if I were at least to have tried to, uh, because right. you know, it's just, a, it boggles my mind that a, a father could sleep at night knowing that the person who murdered their daughter is or son is walking on the street. Yes, thousand percent, thousand percent. And for people listening and for any big brother that might be listening, we're speaking hypothetically. We didn't, we didn't. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> we didn't. I have but no I, children. <laughs> as, a, as a parent, though, it's like, I get it. When you hear stories about a, a dad beating the, the crap out of someone who, you know, assaulted their kid, yeah, oh, sure. I'll be in prison. Yeah, for sure. And But you bring up something. You mentioned OJ. I can remember the, the white Bronco chase. Right. I have now lived long enough to where people, OJ's not in jail, but to where people who did go to jail for things are up for parole. Or they're, I cannot remember her name. But the, the woman who killed Selena, she's out next year. Oh, wow. Do you think she's going to make it on the house? <laughs> I would hope not. <laughs> so mad. You know, Charles Manson, if, imagine if he would have lived to get out. Oh, it's it's crazy. Well, I, let's hope that, uh, that Willie gets turned down for his. <laughs> because I just think 50 souls that you removed, you know, from this playing it. I think it's worth a lot more of your time. Right. No, I agree. And it's just another reason for me to stay away from pork <laughs> because <laughs> you don't know what you know, you don't know what their last meal was. God, that's just it's so horrible. It's horrible that it's true, but it makes for a really, really good and wild time watching a film. <laughs> well that's the, the important part. Yeah, exactly. I I wanted to just Reiterate, it comes in theaters on the 17th, digital on the 21st. Uh, Jake Busey, ton of other people. I had it pulled up, but I remember that uh, Bai Ling is in it. I haven't heard, I haven't seen her name in a hot second. So 
that's awesome. And she's, oh, she's really, great. She's really good in this film. She's wild. <laughs> <laughs> but I want people to, uh, if you if you feel this is not a kids movie, this is that the disturbing content. I want to just put that out there. If anybody thinks, oh, big killer, it's going to be a fun horror romp. <laughs> No, yeah, people should definitely um, give it a watch. Give For sure. <laughs> What's coming to you, Chad? Um, shooting another uh, film in December with uh, Eddie oh. Furlong. Nice. Hey, <laughs> is it another romance or is this? Uh, uh, it's no, it's a H.P. Lovecraft film and uh, called Beyond the Wall of Sleep, and uh, we've got Jake Busey's in it, uh, Robert Miano. Uh, Susan Prever, um, Byling possibly. We're still working that out, but uh, it, it should be a lot of fun. Are you and Jake are going to become the uh, the Burton Depp. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that'd be great. <laughs> so you're going to start filming next month? Yeah. Right. Can people follow you on social media? Do you have a website where they can keep up with what's Yeah, I'm, I'm on Facebook. I'm on Twitter. I'm on Instagram. Just, you know, type in my name and you'll find me. At Chad Farron. Yeah. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for joining me. It's been a blast. Uh, you made a, a very horrific and uh, informative film. <laughs> oh, well, thank you very much. And thanks for having me. Absolutely. Have a wonderful day. You too. Bye. This has been an Odd Imagination production. Here at Odd Imagination, you'll find book, film, television, and product reviews, as well as roundtable discussions, current events, and hot topics. We are advocates for equality and the freedom to be who you are, no matter what. Aunt Imagination gets its name from autism and imagination, two things that are very important to us. If you would like more information on Aunt Imagination and the podcasts that we host on our website, you can visit autimagination.org, A-U-T-I-M-A-G-I-N-A-T-I-O-N.